Welcome to the Strange Catholics Podcast. I'm your host, Phil. I'm also joined, as always, by Terry, who's also in Minnesota with me, and Bob, who's in Virginia. We are three distinct voices, bringing varied perspectives on the church and the world into this conversation. We want you to join in the conversation as well. You can do so by going to anchor.fm forward slash strange Catholics and leave a message there. We also have a link in the description. We used to gather around a table at Caribou Coffee. It's a coffee house here in Minnesota and in the Midwest. Now we gather virtually in hopes that these conversations continue to be a light not only for us, but for you as well. Now let us welcome Terry and Bob into the conversation. For joining us. This week, we're going to cover a quick story about a recent ruling that affects private schools, including Catholic private schools. Our topic this week is on adoration. Our saint of this week is Pope St. Gregory the Great. Bob will lead us in opening prayer. Take it away, Bob. Thanks, Phil, and uh, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to uh, my two brothers in uh, in Christ here on the podcast and to everyone listening. So if we can go ahead and start now uh, in prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Gracious and wonderful God, thank you for another beautiful day another opportunity for us to gather in your name to to be with you and be have be in your presence as we discuss these issues as we go forward please guide us through this discussion as we discuss these issues of the church we ask this through your son jesus christ who lives and reigns with you in the holy spirit one god forever and ever amen Amen. in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit amen. amen let's go amen (laughs) <laughs> I love the attitude, Bob. We're, yeah, we're fired it. up Good. today. Yeah, absolutely. Must have been that one hour of pre-show prep. Try to. Close to two, Bob. Was it two hours? <laughs> Just about. We're shortchanging you folks out there that you don't get to hear the wonderful banter uh, of how the sausage is made before we come and give you this stellar Class A podcast. Indeed. Amen. Well said, brother. So over the last week, there has been a lot of news out there, and there always is. You know, billion Catholics across the world is going to be a lot of news. Obviously, we had the Democratic Convention and Republican Convention, and we had some Catholic involvement in that. We're not going to talk about that this week. We'll talk about it next week a little bit and how the church kinda, you know, fits into that and and how that's a kind of a balancing act for everybody. But uh, something came out today, Phil brought it to our attention, uh, about a federal judge blocking a rule by the Department of Education for allocating pandemic relief to private schools. And this is a district judge in, U.S. District Judge in San Francisco, entered a, issued a preliminary injunction uh, against that rule, and he said that the Education Department has exceeded its authority in issuing guidelines for funding distribution beyond what Congress authorized to allow the private schools 
to receive this. <clears throat> and this money was part of the CARES Act, which was uh, coronavirus money that, if I could say so, was really a congressional win. Both parties came together and were able to get something done very quickly. And I was involved, at least from my capacity and my a job in the military, working a little bit with CARES Act and all that stuff. So I think it was a success. But this judge has said that, you know, this is not allowed. And so I open it up for comments. I know Phil and Terry have had a chance to look at some of this, to get some of their feedback. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty recent news. Um, I had thought that, and just like what uh, Paul Long, who is the CEO of Michigan Catholic Conference, uh, when he saw the ruling come through, you know, he wasn't surprised by it. Um, but he noted, and I thought that this was included, that Congress included non-public schools in the CARES Act to ensure all students are treated equally without prejudice due to the school they attend, close quote. He continued stressing that low and mid middle income families in private schools are also affected by the COVID-19 pandemic, just as those in public schools. So I had thought that too, so I was kind of surprised by the ruling, but again, I don't know the ruling back and forth, so I could have missed something. Right, so we're just throwing it out there. It, so what I ask for podcast listeners is to go out and, and search this out and read more about this. Um, go ahead and Google, uh, you know, Education Department Rule for Pandemic Relief uh, Money for Private Schools. You can go to the Catholic News Agency. There's other places, go to those more secular organizations, they'll, they'll have the similar type stuff that's reporting just to get some information on it. And I think in the upcoming weeks, we'll have some more discussions about this type of thing and, and why there always is this, this fight between public and private schools and also whatever, what also comes into the, this as a religious component is the separation of church and state and how that is absolutely misinterpreted by those in the secular community that feel that somehow this is an endorsement of Catholicism uh, for Catholic, or even if it's just another Christian school, it is absolutely not the case. And, and I don't want to belabor that point here, but I think in the next couple of weeks, we will talk about, I think in the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about that and set the record straight. So, so for, for those folks out there, it'll be good education for you. And then for the Catholic folks out there, something you can have in as a discussion point when people say, hey, church and state, there needs to be separation. There already is, okay? And we'll give it to you. So, Terry, what do you got to say, buddy? I completely agree with with your assessment of, you know, both your assessments of the ruling. Um, and we can definitely go into this, you know, in the weeks ahead, but um, a certain way of always having that argument that people go to, well, we've got to have separation of church and state. Uh, and if you really ever talk to any of those folks, and this is just my opinion, I'm just giving my opinion here, folks, but if you ever talk to any of those people, 80 to 90% of them don't even know what the true amendment says. That is all we have this week. So we're going to transition right now to talking about adoration something very, very beautiful and something everybody should consider doing. And Phil's going to set it up for us. Thank you, Bob. So this week we wanted to talk about adoration and just so much good fruit that can come from that. I wanted to first 
just talk about what it is, when it came about, when do we first hear about that? Um, you can Google search this and find this on your own, but St. Basil first is noted as having something that resembles what we have today in adoration in 379. So this isn't a new phenomenon, although it's definitely gained popularity. This is something that's been going on for hundreds and hundreds, even more than a thousand plus years, right? This is something because as Catholics, we believe that Jesus Christ is truly present, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the bread that we consume. That's the transubstantiation. We've talked about this on previous podcasts. So what adoration is, is there's this beautiful gold monstrance. I'll link to some images of some beautiful monstrances. It's it's in the there's the shape of a cross, and in the middle of the cross is where the body of Christ is placed, and then people will come and adore our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. They'll come and just be in His presence. Um, I've heard this referred to sometimes as a different kind of sunbathing, as we're allowing the rays of the true sun to bask upon us. So if people have never been to adoration before. There's not really a right way or a wrong way. Some people do prefer that it's kept quiet so other people can have quiet prayer. If you sign up for your own hour, uh, as long as you're not desecrating the host, you can sing songs, you can you can do whatever moves you um, because it's your hour. So if there's a place that has adoration near you, you can sign up for an hour and go and spend time with the Lord, and I highly encourage it. If you can't carve out one hour a week, uh Try to just stop in at a parish on your way to work, on your way home from work that has adoration on the weekends or late in the evening, um, just to stop in and just be in the presence of Christ. I think there is so much noise in our world today, and taking time to stop and listen to what the Lord is placing on our heart, especially in adoration, is so important. The fruits that come from this, the multitude of vocations— that come out of time in Eucharistic adoration is astounding. Most every, uh, most priests that I hear today are coming, are they're saying that the fruits are coming from Eucharistic adoration, or this is a fruit of Eucharistic adoration. Many people that are discerning the call to uh, married life also are spending a lot of time in Eucharistic adoration. So this is a, a very important thing. This is something you can take your little kids to, it doesn't matter your age. You just come and be in the Lord's presence. Let him just be in his presence and just be. There isn't a right way or a wrong way. A prayer you need to say, anything you need to do in a certain way. Uh, we would say you should genuflect, but that's kind of normal Catholic thing uh, that some people do a more profound genuflection in front of uh, the, the exposed monstrance. Just come and be present and listen to what he's placing on your heart. Gentlemen? For me, Eucharistic adoration has been something that, unfortunately, I've only discovered, you know, in the last 20 years. Uh, certainly a beautiful opportunity to stop, be quiet, reflect. Uh, I had the opportunity back in 2000. I was on a pilgrimage um, over in Europe, one of the churches that we stopped at in Paris, France, uh, had Eucharistic adoration going 24-7. At that point, it was going for well over 115 years. And the graces and the blessings that the people of that church 
talk about that they have received through their congregation participating in Eucharistic adoration uh, would really drop you to your knees, I mean, in all honesty. And I know last year, uh, the three of us had the opportunity to be together at a married couples retreat at uh, at uh, Abbey of the Hills, I will just say it, in South Dakota. And the time spent in Eucharistic adoration on that Saturday evening that you know we got to all partake in was, for myself and my wife, a great time of unification together as a married couple. And I personally have seen the fruits of that time together come out in our marriage relationship in the last year. Bob, how about for you? I currently have my dog on my lap and I'm petting my dog. The reason I bring that up is, do you know how calming it can be to sit and relax and then just pet your dog? And you just sit there and it's a very calming thing for you. Adoration in many ways is that. Yes, I said, I agree with you. I, so what adoration can be is going into the sanctuary, being in the presence, being quiet, calming influence for you. Because that's that, that calming influence for you. And then just being allowed to be there, be quiet and be open to the presence of God and have that communication. Now, we've discussed over the last many podcasts that you should be doing this on a regular basis. My dog's getting tired, so you can hear that she's yawning. I'm sorry about that. Taking in all those graces, that the blessing that he's showering down upon us. Amen. 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 If you're having communication problems with God, which I hope none of you are, Hey, go to adoration. Go to adoration and get that quiet time. If you're having time blocking that out, sign up for adoration. Find out when adoration is at, at the church and go in there and spend that hour and, and just be quiet and be present. You're gonna it's gonna be remarkable for you. Guaranteed. And not just for that moment in time, that measured amount of time that you are in church, but you take the fruits of that prayer with you out into the community, and it it stays with you like, I'll just say it, a, a big hug from God. It just stays right with you. Beautiful image, Terry. Thank you. <laughs> well, you know, from the guy that loves to hug, Yes, yeah, that's, that's where that's where I go. Non pre-COVID, love to hug. Pre-COVID, we still hug. Yep. we still hug now when we see each other. We do, we do. Yeah, socially distance hugging. Social yeah. socially distance hugging. Well, there's and, actually and a safe that. way to hug during this pandemic that was profiled on a Sunday morning news program a couple of weeks ago. Look up uh, safe ways to hug during the pandemic on YouTube. You'll probably find it. Thanks, Terry. I'll include a link in our in our show notes. <laughs> Please do. Please do. Because we all need more hugs. That's just we need the physical contact, right? We need Absol that. God did not Absolutely. make us to be um all by ourselves. We're gonna take a quick break and we'll be back right after this with Pope saying 
Gregory, St. Gregory the Great. I'm trying to get it in the right order. I don't have it written down. We'll be back right after this. All right, we're back. Pope St. Gregory the Great. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And I will pray tonight and I will talk to the saint and express my sorrow my your, my, yeah, your true yeah, attrition yeah, for yes. not getting that my correct for, for not getting it in the correct order i got them all but just not in the correct order so terry's going to lead us in, in that discussion take it over terry please save me all right <laughs> i'll do my best here bob so pope saint gregory the great born in 540 a.d uh, his feast day is September the 3rd in the Western Church. Um, it was moved from March, which uh, I'm looking up the date here real quick, uh, but was actually March 12th, and it is still observed in the Eastern Church as March 12th. So a distinction that I found kind of, that I've the first time I've ever found that, that there's a distinction between feast days in the Western and Eastern Church. So something of interest, you, you get a little trivia here along with uh, great information about uh, a great saint. Gregory is the patron saint of musicians and teachers. His father, Gordonaeus, a wealthy patrician who owned large estates in Sicily and a mansion in Rome. His mother is Sylvia, also appears to have been of a good family, but little is known of her life. She is honored as also as a saint, and her feast is November the 3rd. Of his early years, we do not know a whole lot beyond what uh, that period of history tells us. Gregory's mind and memory were both exceptionally receptive, and it is to the effect produced on him by the disasters that were happening in history at that time that we uh, that is kind of attributed to the tinge of sadness that pervades some of his writings, especially his clear expectation of a speedy end to the world. So he was kind of a, uh, a very well-written guy and, of course, a doctor of the church. Well-educated for the times, Gregory may have had legal training before entering public service, he studied law and by the age of 30 was the chief administrative official of the city of Rome responsible for finances, police, provisioning, and public works. An experience that helped him hone his administrative skills and together with his personal wealth gave him the opportunity to create six monasteries. Yet Gregory remained dissatisfied and upon his father's death in 574, he converted his house into a monastery and retired to a life of contemplation and prayer. During these years, they were the happiest of Gregory's life. He began a detailed study of the scriptures. Here, he also ruined his health with fasting, a sacrifice that would precipitate his early death. His administrative skills did not remain unappreciated. In 577, Pope Benedict appointed Gregory as one of the seven deacons of Rome, and Pope Pelagius II sent him to Constantinople in 578 as a representative to the imperial court. 
then later recalled him to serve as his confidential advisor. The strong feeling of the Roman populace that Gregory must not be allowed to leave Rome is sufficient proof of the position he now held there. He was, in fact, the chief advisor and assistant of Pelagius II, towards whom he sees to have acted very much in the capacity of a secretary. In this capacity, probably around 586, Gregory wrote his important letter to the schismatical bishops of Istra, who had separated from communion with the church. Gregory was also actively concerned about the work of priests. He wrote a book of instruction for bishops on pastoral care, was the title, in which he wrote, Act in such a way that your humility may not be weakness, nor your authority be severity. Justice must be accompanied by humility, that humility may render justice lovable. It may be it became a manual for holy life throughout the Middle Ages. Gregory believed preaching was also one of the cler clergy's primary duties, and he conducted a preaching tour of area churches. His homilies on the gospel was published in 591 and widely used for hundreds of years. In 590, Gregory was elected pope, taking office unwillingly. He succeeded Pelagius II, who had succumbed to the Black Plague that swept through Rome during that year. Gregory is also known for his reform of the liturgy and for strengthening respect for doctrine. Whether he was largely responsible for the revision of the Gregorian chant is a matter of dispute among theologians. The position of the Our Father in the Mass remains where Pope Gregory had placed it. It was also he that instituted the stations still observed and noted in the Roman Missal. As Gregory still lived with monastic simplicity when he became Pope, one of his first acts was to banish all of the lay pages, etc., from the Lateran Palace and substitute clerics in their place. Pope Gregory was famous for the emphasis he put on missionary work. He sent many people to bring many to Jesus into the church. Um, in Anglo-Saxon Britain, was at the time still on the frontier of Christendom. It was Pope Gregory who dispatched St. Augustine of Canterbury to Kent in 597, not to be confused with Augustine of Hippo, who we profiled on our podcast last time. He emphasized the aspect of good service to the poor for deacons. The number of deacons was increasing, and they were seen as less essential extensions of the bishop than they were in the early church. Deacons were often tasked with giving alms to the poor, or at least one was assigned to each church and ordained for that purpose. Gregory's papal writings and teachings were extremely influential. They were based on his division, vision rather, 
of pastoral care to meet the spiritual and physical needs of the people. He rebuilt ruined churches. His talents were spiritual and also tempered with day-to-day practicality. He updated clergy education and emphasized the urgency of preaching and living the good news. During a time of famine throughout Europe, Pope Gregory also organized the distribution of food to starving and encouraged the rich to serve the poor. His, he called his work the art of arts. He suffered almost continually from indigestion and at intervals from attacks of slow fever. While for the last half of his pontificate, he was a martyr to gout. In spite of these infirmities, which increased steadily, he never rested. The last years of Gregory's life were filled with every kind of suffering. His mind, naturally serious, was filled with despondent forebodings, and his continued bodily pains were increased and intensified. His sole consolation was the hope that death would come quickly. The end came on the 12th of March in 604, and on the same day his body was laid to rest in front of the sacristy in the portico of St. Peter's Basilica. He was canonized by acclamation at the time of his death. There was one reflection that I ran across, and I'll just close with this. Gregory was content to be a monk, but he willingly served the church in other ways when asked. He sacrificed his own preferences in many ways, especially when he was called to be Bishop of Rome. Once he was called to public service, Gregory gave his considerable energies completely to his work. Gregory's description of bishops as physicians fits in well with Pope Francis's description of the church as a field hospital. And that is Pope St. Gregory the Great. Sorry. Yeoman's Con work Gre- on that. Con Thank Gregory you. the first, too, you know. Gregory the first, yes. He was the first. And if our listeners are wondering where I'm where I got this information from, I will we will post the all the links that I used for reference material in the show notes. I'll send those over to Phil for you to post those as well. So I only have two comments. One, underappreciated and not enough pub for Pope Gregory. And two, he he transcended. Uh, a couple, couple facts that I liked. I'm sure this is going to be referenced in Terry's uh, references that we'll have in our show notes, but that uh, he he made certain to dine with a dozen poor people at each meal. That seems to be quite paralleling what uh, Pope Francis has done many times over uh, and refused to eat until his monks returned from their work of handing out food. So really that selfless life. Um, and I like this little uh, bit about how uh, – he he was so upset with one of the monks who confessed stealing three gold coins that he uh, he uh, the de- uh, it was a deathbed con- uh, confession that this monk made and Gregory ordered he be left to die alone after the poor monk had died Gregory ordered the body thrown on a dung heap 
along with three coins. Then in a turn of heart, Gregory offered 30 masses for the deceased, deceased monk. So, you know, lots of kind of like St. Augustine and, you know, you have this uh, very strong personality and you really, really desire uh, other people to have, you know, do the same thing that you want to do. Uh, and when he finds out about this, you know, he's like, bah! you know, and then obviously exactly. um, uh, makes uh, uh, reparations and offering 30 masses for the monk. Pretty incredible okay. Pope. You know, and, and I like the I like the fact that you, you know, I referenced it and you also referenced it, too. There are and I found that in my research, a lot of parallels between Gregory the Great and our current Pope Francis. Pope St. Gregory the Great. Pray for us. Pray for us. Pray for us. We've reached the last segment of the show, which is where we bring in all of our prayer intentions for the week. And then we do our final prayer. But before we get to that point, we want to thank everybody for tuning in and listening to us. And then also to tell you whatever podcast platform you're on, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Anchor, Other, whatever, wherever you're listening to us, go on there and leave a comment or, or rate us, preferably whatever the highest rating is, five, because that makes us look good, and we appreciate that. We hope we're living up to that for you as well. But you can leave a comment if you don't think we are. And uh, now Phil's going to tell you about the website and all that good jazz. So, yeah, Bob, the the biggest part is people rate it. They don't have to necessarily like us. They just want other people to find this great podcast. That's right? what I'm. That's what I. That's that. I should have said that. I, I up until now I used to say. Please rate us five because that helps other listeners find the podcast. Something like that. Yeah, exactly. And I just wanted to throw that out there. But yes, so if you have prayer intentions, uh, show comments, corrections, feedback for us, whatever it might be, please send us your email or your audio, your uh, recording of you giving us an audio message to strangecatholicspod at gmail.com. We would, would love to hear from you. We want to hear from you, your voice. We want to include your voice in this podcast, so please send that along. We, we did not have any additional intentions that were sent in this week, uh, so we'll continue with uh, one from last week, and we'll just kind of continue going forward, but please send in your intentions, any show topics, or, again, your your corrections you might have for us well thanks folks we're at that part where we do the closing prayer and the prayer intentions and phil's going to do that for us now phil take it away in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit amen amen heavenly father we thank you for the many blessings you've showered upon us we pray that the conversation we've had together may help further the stirrings of the spirit within all of us help us to be open to the needs of others Help us to see with that same spirit that Pope St. Gregory, Gregory the Great brought forth. We pray for continued healing for Amy, for protection for life from conception till natural death, all those that are pregnant. We pray for our country, our leaders, for the pain in our country, the hurt, the unrest, that the peace of Christ would wash over our country to provide the only true and lasting peace that this world cannot provide. Lord, we bring to you all of these things in our heart. We ask you to please hear our petitions. 
Bless all those that are hearing this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. 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 In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Great prayer, well, Phil. Yeah, great prayer. Thanks, folks, for joining us. We look forward to having you listening to us next week. And until then, love you, brothers. Love you, brothers. Love you, brothers. Thank you for listening to this episode of Strange Catholics. We hope that you enjoyed the conversation and that it helps you continue to dive into a deeper reflection and union with our Lord Jesus Christ and his church. If you would like to leave some feedback, please go to anchor.fm forward slash strange Catholics. You can leave us a message there. We will play and respond to your question or comment as we are able in the next episode. We ask that you share this podcast and this episode especially with at least one person. This will help get the word out and help more people to join in the conversation. Please subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review on iTunes. This really helps podcasts get traction and help even more people discover the peace, love, and mercy that our Lord offers each and every one of us. Thank you again for listening. Have a glorious day, and may God bless you.